Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ohioan Podcast. I'm Craig Schaup. With us today is Bob Garber, our New York City film critic. Bob, how you doing this weekend? How was your weekend? Uh, my weekend was wonderful. I've uh, gotten the first vaccination. I've gotten a haircut, and <laughs> I am ready to go. Happy Monday. All right. And you've been watching some movies lately that we're going to yes, talk I about. Yes, so I have. I have been watching too. some movies. All right. Well, the first one we have is uh, In the Earth. Uh, this is a, I guess it's described as a horror movie uh, as the world searches for a cure to a disastrous virus, which oh, that's kind of interesting. A scientist and park scout venture deep into the forest for routine quit equipment run. So, Bob, what did you think about this movie that just released here on Friday? Well, uh, I should point out that the um, part where the world searches for a cure to a virus, uh, that's actually a very small part of it. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, it could have been deleted entirely and... Uh, the film would have been affected little, if, if at all. Okay. Um, basically, um, there's a uh, scientist that we meet in the third act who believes uh, she's discovered not only, I guess, the cure to this virus, but also uh, something about unlocking the secrets of the universe. Okay. So does this uh, play more as a horror movie or more of like a science fiction type film? It's it's a horror movie. Um it's, it's divided into what I would call three parts. There's a part that is reminiscent of the Blair Witch Project, uh, okay. where our main protagonist and his ranger guide go uh, into the forest, and um, they're a bit unprepared for some of the natural elements that they face, uh, especially when it seems that there is someone or something that is up to no good. Uh, then the second part, is uh, a part that is reminiscent of Midsummer, uh, which gets into uh, sort of this um, mythological aspect, um, but also uh, has a delightful sun-baked goodness and uh, some very disturbing scenes in that. Uh, and then the last third, uh, I would describe as reminiscent of uh, M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening. Okay. Uh, where uh, where the characters interact with nature, uh, mm. and uh, nature very much has the upper hand on them, because what chance do four humans have against all of nature? Okay. Well, I know that um, you you said that maybe you could dismiss the whole you know disastrous virus, but does this movie does it kind of feel like it's a response movie to COVID nineteen, or is it just a, more of a coincidence? I think um, maybe it's a coincidence. I think maybe um, the minor aspect of the virus uh, was maybe thrown in at the last minute uh, to make it relevant uh, as it prepared for its release in early 2021. But uh, again, it, it could be removed from the movie and, and it wouldn't be affected. Okay. Well, obviously, I, I, I didn't really have a whole lot of knowledge of this movie. Did you Did you know anything about this movie going into it? I mean, no, it I didn't see. Kind of I didn't see a in. single trip. I didn't see a single trailer for it. I knew nothing about it other than that it was the uh, biggest new release of this past weekend, and it didn't even it didn't even make enough money to uh, to pass the second weekend of Voyagers. That's my print review for this weekend. Is is Voyagers that disappointing movie from? Right. Last weekend, that uh, that that actually beat this one. Yeah, it looks like it had a limited release as well here for In the Earth, only five hundred and six thousand 
according to boxofficemojo.com. So not a not a very good take there, but also a limited release. So let's you know it'd be interesting to see if they give this uh, an expanded release or if they just say let's cut our losses and just let it go and and probably not try to reinvest into more you know theatrical screens because obviously like you said struggle to to really you know resonate with any audiences. Um, overall, anything stand out that you liked about this movie or, you know, was it all kind of just a hit and a miss here? Uh, yes. I, I really liked the first two thirds of this movie where, okay. uh, the characters, uh, have to, have to battle these woods. Um, they have to battle their own ill preparedness. They have to battle a, um, a villain. Oh, uh, druggings via a uh, delicious beverage. That's another, uh, thing right. that Midsummer, um, and there is a scene of foot mutilation in the second oh. act that is simply put the most disturbing scene of foot mutilation I have ever seen. Okay. Uh, I know the gold standard for foot mutilation is Misery, Rob Reiner's Misery with Kathy Bates, right. but uh, this this scene of foot mutilation is way worse than the than the scene in that movie. Okay, all right. Well, overall, did you did you give this a letter grade? What would you give this? B. I would give this a B. Okay. Um, Lots of flashing lights in this movie. Okay. Uh, it'll it'll warn the viewer itself at the beginning, sure. Uh, which I don't think I've ever seen a film do before. But uh, take the warning seriously because this is a real uh, assault on the eyes and, in fact, all of the senses. Okay. All right. So there you have it. Uh, a recommendation there to see uh, in the earth. Uh, in the earth, yes. If you if you can handle an R-rated horror movie and if you can handle uh, all the flashing lights. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on here. A couple of Netflix films uh, that are uh, going to be very prominent this weekend at the Academy Awards. Uh, let's talk about Mank. Now, for any of you have, that have not seen it yet, this is sort of a retelling of Herman Mankiewicz, the screenwriter for maybe the greatest film ever made, Citizen Kane, sort of a, uh, a, the, a little bit of a snapshot into life of him writing this film. Tell us a little bit about David Fincher's uh, latest film, Mank. Okay, uh, well, Manx uh, tells the story of, like you said, Herman Mankiewicz as he uh, goes about um, writing and trying to get credit for his role in writing Citizen Kane. Um, like uh, like the reporter in Kane, he interacts with a lot of people from uh, his life who have various opinions on whether the movie should be even made or released or not. Um, but he's he's largely been influenced by events in his life, and we see flashbacks to these uh, events. Uh, much of them involve the um, lover of uh, William Randolph Hearst, who was, of course, the inspiration for the Kane character. Um, and this uh, lover of hers is, is, I guess, sort of a muse for uh, Mank. Uh, she's played by Amanda Seyfried. Um, we also see him in interactions with his assistant, played by Willie Collins. Uh, and his wife, who uh, Tuppence, uh, I know her first name is Tuppence, her, her last name, I'm sorry to say, uh, escapes me at the moment. But uh, but but all of the uh, actresses do a splendid job. Uh, Seyfried is nominated for an Oscar. I probably would have gone with Collins. Oh, okay. Nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Okay, so obviously we're, we're talking about a period film here, 1930s Hollywood. Uh, black and white. What did you think about the overall aesthetics of this film? Uh, well, uh, Fincher always brings top-notch aesthetics to his films, uh, and this one 
absolutely uh, tries to push itself as a product of the time uh, with black and white photography, uh, sound, uh, sound effects, um, a score made by uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who are known primarily for electronic influence work, but here uh, just capture the jazzy, um, uh, what is it, 1940s style uh, perfectly. It seems like it, it's right out of that era. Sure. Um, was the black and white a great choice? Was it a yes. good decision to go black and yes. white? Yes, great, great choice, great photography. Looks like a, a beautiful film. Okay. Well, obviously, uh, it's the most nominated film at the Academy Awards this Sunday. Ten nominations. It's going um, to win for something. Okay. I was gonna. I was kind of curious because sometimes you see some of those movies that they they resonate fairly well with Oscar voters in every category, but maybe they're just not quite at that level. Is there anything that stands out maybe that you think is more of a surefire win than than maybe some other categories in this one? Um. Well, I'd like to say it's cinematography, but then again, the uh, cinematography for for Nomadland uh, is pretty amazing. Sure. But uh, there, this movie pays a lot of attention to detail. It's it's going to win in some technical categories. Well, it's got costume design, hairstyling, and makeup, um, uh, production design as well. Those are production design. That's that's a good yeah. one too. Okay, and obviously Gary Oldman uh, playing Herman Mankiewicz. He's nominated. David Fincher was nominated. Amanda Seyfried, like you said. Uh, best sound as well. So uh, definitely uh, scored a lot of nominations. At the end of the day, though, did you think it was uh, was worthy of all the Oscar hype? What did your what was your final grade for Mank? Um, like in the earth, I would give Mank a B. Um, okay. it clearly, top notch effort went into it. Um, not sure I really connected with uh, with the main character very much, uh, especially knowing that Gary Oldman, uh, appropri appropriately named in this case, uh, is much older than the subject. Sure. All right, so there you have it, a B for Mank. Uh, obviously, we'll be interested to see how it does at the Academy Awards this Sunday. Uh, but let's move on to another Oscar contender nominated for six Oscars. It's The Trial of the Chicago 7. Bob, tell us a little bit about this film. What's it about? Well, uh, this is very much an Aaron Sorkin movie. Uh, lots of snappy dialogue, uh, lots of smart characters exchanging ideas. Um, it's about the, well, trial, obviously, of uh, protest leaders in Chicago in the 60s who um, were accused of uh, instilling a riot. Actually, I think the... Um, I think the official charge is conspiring to cross state lines to incite a riot. Okay. Uh, these characters have, have barely met each other and uh, belong to organizations with some very different ideologies, but that's what they're accused of and they face 10 years in prison uh, if they're found guilty of uh, conspiring to cross state lines to incite a riot. Um, and uh, the film features um, Abby Hoffman, uh, played by Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, that was the only name I recognized other than uh, Fred Hampton uh, from uh, the um, Black Panther leader from Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, did not expect a cameo from him in this movie, uh, by which I mean a, a character playing him. Right. Or an actor playing him. Uh, but those were the only two characters I, I recognized. And uh, I have to say, I think the film maybe gives the viewer a little too much credit uh, just by identifying characters very quickly and uh, forcing at least me to uh, 
uh, look up who they were. Okay. Well, obviously, Aaron Sorkin is a renowned writer for the screen, um, but he's also kind of dipped his toes quite often, quite frequently lately into directing. Um, you know, Molly's Game came out a few years ago. Obviously, he's got this. Were you a little surprised to see Sorkin was sort of left out of the best director category after this film really did receive a lot of hype and it did score six nominations, but kind of strange that he was omitted after a best picture and best screenplay, uh, you know, nomination for this film. Well, uh, anytime a uh, director is omitted from best director, when their movie is nominated for best picture picture, um, I consider that a bit of a surprise. Uh, the four who were nominated, the four uh, directors who were nominated for best picture nominated films, uh, they were, of course, no surprise. Um, I was surprised that a fifth nominee for Best Director uh, came from a non-nominated film. I think uh, I think another film that was nominated for Best Picture should have had their director in that race. Okay. Um, overall, what did you think about the, the trial of Chicago 7? Obviously, you get into these courtroom dramas. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they add and subtract from the real story. Overall, what did you think about the, the trial of the Chicago 7? Uh, I know I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but I'm giving it a B. Okay. Um, yeah, I just I just liked um, moderately all three movies this week. Sure. Well, nothing uh, wrong with me, that. They put me in a good mood, but uh, at the same time, I'm not ready to hand any of them best picture. Sure. Okay. Well, that's a good segue into what we're going to talk about next here really quickly. Obviously, the Academy Awards, uh, a very delayed ceremony this year, will be on this Sunday. Um, we're going to look at some of the categories, the top six, which usually are the director, uh, best picture, and then the acting categories, and kind of see where Bob's thinking that uh, maybe the, the voters may have uh, skewed this year. Um, I think there are maybe a couple of shoe-ins, but maybe we can talk about some surprises or maybe some some locks this year. But let's start with best director. Now, obviously, uh, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland seems to be the favorite. You've got Emerald Fennell from Promising Young Woman, David Fincher, we just talked about with Mank, uh, Thomas uh, Vinterberg from Another Round, which was one of the movies not nominated for Best Picture that kind of snuck in there, and then Lee Isaac Chung from Minari. Um, we've talked a little bit about some of these movies. Uh, after seeing most of these movies, who do you think takes a Best pick or best Director? Uh, well, I think since Nomadland is favored to win Best Picture, I think it's only fair to say that Chloe Zhao should be uh, should be the front runner for best director. Um, now, me personally, I would give best picture to Minari, uh, and therefore I would give best director to Lee Isaac Chung. Okay, fair enough. I also think Chloe Zhao seems destined to win this category. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of previous awards that she's kind of won, the movies won. I think Chloe Zhao seems to be a, a pretty close lock at winning this, but uh, now we kind of move on to the acting categories for best actress. Obviously, you know, this is always a, a tough category to choose because you just don't know how it's going to work out. We have Frances McDormand from Nomadland, Viola Davis from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Carrie Mulligan in Promising Young Woman, uh, Andra Day from the United States versus Billie Holiday, and then Vanessa Kirby uh, for Pieces of a Woman. Uh, does this seem like it's a Frances McDormand category to lose this year? Yes, yes, it does, um, because Nomadland is so far out in the front of the Best Picture race, and you can't talk about that movie without talking about Frances McDormand's performance. Um, I will say that this is 
probably a race uh, very, um, very uh, most susceptible to an upset. Uh, Viola Davis is, of course, a respectable uh, musical performance in her movie. Andra Day, even though her movie isn't getting very good reviews, her performance uh, actually beat out Frances McDormand for the Golden Globe. Sure. Uh, Carrie Mulligan has been picking up um, critics' awards. Um, I think Vanessa Kirby is probably the one that uh, that seems to have fallen by the wayside. But uh, McDormand is definitely still, you know, the front runner. But uh, Day and Mulligan and Davis are nipping at her heels. Any, out of out of that second group, maybe outside of McDormand, is there anybody you think that could pull off the upset? Uh, I have not seen uh, two of the movies. I have not seen Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and I have not seen The United States versus Billy Holiday, so I, I can't comment on which ones uh, really should and shouldn't pull an upset. Sure. But I just based on based on the winds of momentum, I think this is McDormand's to lose. Sure. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, be opposed to seeing um, Carrie Mulligan. I thought she was great um, in Promising Young Woman. I, I don't know if it's going to quite beat McDormand this year, but uh, I do think Carrie Mulligan could be a potential upset possibly uh, if Oscar voters kind of shy away from McDormand, who recently had won from three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, you know, looking at the best actor category, I think this is probably one of the locks of the night, but let's get a little talk from you. Uh, best actor, obviously Chadwick Boseman from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, Anthony Hopkins from The Father, Riz Ahmed from Sound of Metal, which you re uh, reviewed last week, Steve Yoon uh, from Minari, which you love that film in his performance, and of course Gary Oldman, sort of the old uh, standard. Uh, seems like he gets nominated all the time now for Mank. Um, I know you haven't seen Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, but it seems like this is Chadwick Boseman's film, and it seems like this is his award to win. Yes, the, the posthumous nature of the nomination makes him a near lock. I can't, I, I can't really discuss it beyond that. It's it's. Sure. it's Is there anybody from that next tier? Because you've seen the other nominees' performances from Hopkins to Ahmed to Yoon to Oldman. Anybody else that you know stood out as maybe if Bozeman wasn't in this category, they'd have a shot. Um, Ahmed would probably be my my second choice uh, just because he put so much effort into the physicality of his performance. Right. Absolutely. Well, I think I'm I think it's pretty safe to say Chadwick Boseman is a near lock for this award. Um, and we will now move on to some of the supporting character supporting actors. So supporting actress uh, this year obviously another uh, interesting category. Uh, we have Yu Jung Yoon from Minari, uh, Maria Baklava from Borat. Amanda Seyfried from Mank, Olivia Coleman from The Father, and then Glenn Close, who has sort of the dubious honor of being nominated for a Razzie and for an Oscar for Hillbilly Elegy. Um, this could be kind of a toss-up. I don't, I don't know if there's anybody that really stands out. How, what do you think about this? Uh, there actually uh, does seem to be a standout, okay. and that's the uh, actress from Minari who has been picking up um, a lot of prizes and has always has been consistently uh, stealing the show with her speeches. Right. Um, and I think yeah. the uh, the Academy is likely to give her one more chance to, to make a speech. <laughs> yeah, it does seem like you, uh, Yoo Jung Yoon does seem to be a favorite here. Uh, any of the other actors stand out? I mean, I know we, you just saw Mank with Amanda Seyfried. I 
I know you said Lily Collins maybe deserved a little bit more love for that film than her, but Olivia Coleman is always a fun, you know, actress and she's done some great things and she's a great speech giver. Uh, you know, she was in the father with Anthony Hopkins kind of going toe to toe with a legend. Uh, does she kind of stand out as someone that might be that second best or that second tier maybe? Um, second, um, I'd say the second biggest front runner and probably my pick to win uh, would actually be um, the actress from Borat. Okay. Um, I think her character um, went through, had more of an arc, uh, went through more physicality for her performance and uh, in general was just the more memorable character of, sure. uh, of all the actresses in that, uh, that category. Okay. Uh, well, and obviously a lot of people, she's sort of a newcomer to a lot of people. So you never know. Sometimes the Academy likes to, to kind of go with those newcomers. So uh, now moving along here, the supporting actor. I know we've kind of talked about this before. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya from Judas and the Black Messiah appears to sort of be that favorite. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen for The Trial of the Chicago 7 is in there. Uh, Paul Racy from Sound of Metal. Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami. And then Lakeith Stanfield also from... Judas and the Black Messiah was able to score a nomination out of that. It looks like this is Daniel Kaluuya's uh, award to win. He just gave a great performance in Judas and the Black Messiah. Is that what you're kind of thinking for this uh, this supporting actor award? Yes. Well, uh, three of these performances are uh, Fred Hampton related. Right. Um, between uh, between Cohen and the uh, uh, Trial of the Chicago Seven and um, Lakeith Stanfield in. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, but it's the one who's actually playing Fred Hampton, Daniel Kaluuya, who is almost a lock to take this. All right. Well, I agree with you on that. doesn't seem like there will be an upset in that category, just a powerful performance. I was a little surprised that Kaluuya was more of a supporting actor nominee as opposed to uh, maybe being a best actor nominee, but I think the studio was was wanting to go for more of a surefire nomination, knowing that he'd get nominated in the supporting category this year. Um, but he now gotten squashed by Bozeman. Right, right. So now we go on to Best Picture. So this year, um, obviously, the Academy can nominate between five and ten Best Pictures. This year, they have eight. We'll run them down very quickly. Nomadland, The Trial of the Chicago Seven, Promising Young Woman, Minari, Mank, The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, and then Sound of Metal. So it looks like the the momentum is is shifted towards Nomadland since its release. Everybody has seemed to maybe peg this as a Best Picture winner. Um, is Can anybody beat Nomadland? Is, what movie could beat Nomadland for Best Picture? I would like it to be uh, Minari. Sure. Um, both, both are very low-key movies. Um, about characters who live in either vehicles or converted vehicles. Uh, so it's kind of a toss-up between those two. Um, I will say that they both lack kind of that epic feel of an Oscar Best Picture winner. Uh, sure. To me, it was the two movies that opened this pack, or not opened this pack this week, that I saw this pack this week, uh, Mank and The Trial of the Chicago 7, that, um, that really had the scale of a Best Picture winner. Right. Um, but... Given how low key the world had to keep things in 2020, I suppose it's uh, appropriate that we get a low key best picture winner. Do you think it's possible that maybe the the trial of Chicago Seven may be that potential spoiler for for Nomadland? I mean, it, it seems like it it has maybe, like you said, has that appeal to Oscar voters in scope. Uh, do you feel like maybe if if there was one movie that might beat it out, it could be the, the trial of Chicago Seven? 
if there was one movie that could uh, beat out both of those two, I would say it would probably be Mank, other than the okay. aside from the Trial of the Chicago Seven, because well, um, it has it has the edge of being a movie about movies and right. movie people love those movies. Absolutely, and it did receive ten nominations, the most nominations of any uh, any film. Just uh, kind of wrapping up now, any. Uh, any locks, any anything that you expect, any surprises that maybe you might think could happen at, on Oscar Sunday, or do you think the the locks that we talked about with Chadwick Boseman and maybe Daniel Kaluuya and and maybe even uh, Chloe Zhao are, are are sort of it? Do you think any other categories stand out to you that could be a lock? Well, um, yeah, I think I think actors a lock, uh, supporting actors a lock, uh, supporting actress I think is a two person race. Uh, Best Actress has a clear front runner uh, with um, three possible upsets. Uh, and uh, Best Picture is between the two, uh, Nomadland and um, uh, Minari. Sure. Well, I think we can only hope that the ceremony isn't like four and a half hours this year, but I'm sure they'll find a way to do it. It's, uh, it's, it's slated to be a short one. They're actually going to perform... Uh, all of the nominated songs on the pre-show, so that okay. will not be That'll help out. Yeah, that will help. All right, Bob. Well, we definitely appreciate your time, and uh, like we said, you know, the Oscars are this Sunday, so go ahead and uh, watch them and keep tally, and we'll see how everybody does. And uh, this is Craig and Bob signing off from the Ohioan Podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Highlight of my week. <laughs>